going on, everyone? Welcome back to Episode 7 of Drop the Mitts Hockey Podcast, brought to you in part by Primetime Productions. I am with my co-host, Mikey Sullivan. How you doing, buddy? Not bad, Chris. How you been? Man, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I feel you. (laughs) uh, No hockey, man. It's just a very drowsy. Got in about, like we were talking about before, like 2.30 this morning and kind of just grinding through today. And uh, then then leave tomorrow for a bachelor party. So look at a my poise has got to be at ninety nine. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it, you know it, it'll be a good time though. I'm I'm ready for it, and, and it's for my best friend. So it'll be you know it'll be a good time. Yeah, dude. There's nothing like a good bachelor party. I mean, come on. If if you're planning anything, I mean, if you're looking forward to anything, a bachelor party is probably like top two things that you could do. I mean, bachelor parties are a time and a half. Oh, I I, like we've been talking about this for like, God, it's been months now. And just, you know, it's been so hyped up and we're going to be going to like, I think the name is Bethlehem, New Hampshire. And then obviously we're going to make the tread up to Vermont and everything. And yeah, we're going to hit some breweries and just kind of hang out, golf a little bit. And um, yeah, it should be a good time, but definitely going to have to uh, show some perseverance for sure. Yeah, dude. Speaking of golf, too, me and uh, me and Boosie this past Monday, we uh, played in our family's annual golf tournament. It's just a quick shout out to that really quick. So it was our uh, 29th year doing it. It's the longest running golf tournament in our city. Um, we, were, we were able to raise, I think it was around uh, 16 or $17,000 for one of the families in our city, and actually this year the money went to um, one of my best friends. His his brother got into a motorcycle accident uh, a couple of years ago, and the money's going to his family to you know continue to pay for some of the hospital bills that um, continue to come to them. And they're they're awesome people. They're they're a great family. They've been friends with me since I was literally like four or five years old. So you know just just having that time together. Um, obviously having Boosie join too with, um, with my force and it was a great time and, uh, it was nice to kind of, you know, hang out outside of hockey, just kind of, you know, go play 18 holes. Um, we came in fourth, which isn't terrible. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad, but I'm still searching for that first tournament victory. Is that out of four teams or is like how many teams are we talking? No. So there were 160 golfers. So I think. I believe I want to say there were around 40 teams. Big math guy. Yeah, big math guy. Something <laughs> like that. It was something like that. But right. yeah, great, great time. And I'm I'm uh thankful for Boosie coming to play with us. So shout out to Boosie. Yeah, man. I was reading the uh I was reading the group chat. You guys were getting after it. So fun. Oh, dude, the next day at work was so hard. <laughs> he was texting me, dude, and I'm like, what is this dude saying? Like <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you guys had a good time, man. I, yeah. I wish I could have been there, obviously, but um, was in Myrtle Beach taking friggin' family photos. And yeah, I mean, no camera is going to help this ugly mug and not good. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, dude. I'd rather been golfing. Yeah, dude. Next year we'll have to have a PTP team down there. And uh, yeah, we'll have, we'll have the whole squad down there. Yeah, that would be, that would be a gong show. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, so we, we got a lot to kind of get into and, um, obviously we left off last week's podcast with, uh, uh, it was a report from Elliot Friedman that a, uh, potential trade for Eric Carlson, um, could be done by the end of the weekend and it did. And it was kind of, I, I think 
shock around the NHL, just how much was given up. So just to kind of break down the deal, um, Pittsburgh received Eric Carlson with uh, 13% of his salary retained. Um, Dylan Ham- Hamiluk, who's a, he was a 2019 second-round pick, a 6'3 left winger. Um, he only appeared in six games last year, um, so there wasn't much, you know, not many statistics on him. Um, in, a, in a 2026 third-round pick from San Jose, um, San Jose received Michael Granlin, Mike Hoffman, and uh, Ruda, as well as a 2024 first-round pick from Pittsburgh. And Montreal was uh, also involved in the deal. And they received Jeff Petrie with 25% retained, Casey DeSmith, Nathan Lagar, and a 2025 second-round pick from Pittsburgh. Right off the bat, what, what were your thoughts on this deal? It, it, it was so crazy to see, and I had to kind of look twice to be like, it just it seemed a little lopsided and not in Pittsburgh's favor, to be honest. No, dude, especially when you consider the state that the Penguins are in right now, I guess Dubas must be thinking, you know, Crosby's, uh, you know, at tail end of his career, Malkin's at the tail end, Latang is on his tail end. I think what they're trying to do is just make this team as competitive as possible for right now. Almost, almost kind of what you saw with Boston last season, right? Where, where they're just trying to build their base as, as good as possible. But I mean, we were saying last week too, even if they get Carlson, it doesn't make this team that much better in our eyes. Um, and for them to give up a first round pick, a second round pick, uh, Granlund, Ruda, Petrie, to Smith and Lagar for Carlson. I mean, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I just, I thought the price was very hefty. You know, and, and I'm kind of looking at it from from Pittsburgh's and Dubas's perspective, where, yeah, you know, say say they don't, they they underachieve significantly, um, and you got a player like Eric Carlson come like trade deadline time, you might be able to get some of those pieces back equal to, um, but like like we were talking about, man, it it just doesn't seem like this is a roster that's ready to compete in a loaded Metro division. Does it does it make them a better team? Absolutely. Adding Eric Carlson to any team is going to make you a better team. Does it put them over that hump of being a competitive team in the Metro Division? I don't believe so. Um, obviously, we went through our predictions last week, and I still don't see them making playoffs. I just, I just, I don't. It's nothing against them. It's it's just the roster that they have right now. I can't see them competing in that division. And you know what's interesting that you said that I actually didn't even think about is how they could potentially, if it doesn't work out and they they see themselves on the outside looking in in the playoff race, they and and you know say Carlson is having equal to or a little less you know than what he produced last year, they could flip him and they could kind of replenish that that prospect pool. They could replenish you know any any you know drafts. Um, equity that they have so you could flip him so it could work out but it's just odd that they gave up so much i mean they lost a first round pick in 2024 and a second round pick in 2025 and they're gonna need those picks um so, so i don't i don't know man it like you said it does make them better but does it does it make them that much better where now they're in a playoff spot i Still don't think so. I still think they finish behind teams like Columbus. They definitely finish behind New Jersey, the Rangers, and Carolina. So it's like, I, I, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. 
Yeah, I, you know, I, I, these draft picks, you know, this year, this upcoming draft, we saw this past draft, this upcoming draft, and even next year's draft, these picks are valuable, dude. Like, they're like really talented players that you could, you know, whether you have to package together picks to go up and get the, I mean, these picks are valuable. Um, And for them to, my order of who won this trade, it goes Montreal, San Jose, Pittsburgh. Yeah. That that's yep. I mean, what did Montreal didn't what did they give up? You got you get a you get a top four defenseman in, in Petrie. Returning get, to Montreal returning to Montreal, by the way. And they're gonna be retaining twenty five percent of his salary. Right. You're getting Casey DeSmith, who probably is gonna be a start the starting goaltender on that team. Potentially, I, we'll see. I mean, we'll see how things shake up. I know they have Montembeau and um, who am I missing? Uh, I'm not even sure who their backup is off the top of my head. Jake Allen, I believe. Ah, yeah, yeah. Is he still there? Uh, let me. We can check on that. But like, yeah. I said, and then, then to mention, they add a 2025 second round pick from Pittsburgh. So, no. I mean that that in my eyes. That that's a huge, huge return for a team that really didn't give up anything, right? Um, does that so so does that change Montreal's position in the Atlantic? Do you think at all, or do you still think they're finishing last in that in that division? So, I don't think it changes anything. Yeah. Reason being is a lot of. I mean, we're talking. I think Boston. Obviously, we we both had them ranked pretty high at. They're bringing back both their goalies. I don't see Montreal finishing any better than, say, a team like Ottawa, Detroit, who are the two teams that I kind of had at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this is definitely a trade that's going to help them. I mean, it definitely makes them a better team, and it makes them more competitive in that division. Does it make it? Does it make them a better team than, say, an Ottawa or Detroit? I don't believe so. Yeah. But they're heading in the right direction. Yeah, I think I think they could potentially beat out Detroit, but that's, that's like, they'd have to be playing balls to the wall all year. You know, they would have to get big seasons from Caulfield, Suzuki, Petrie would have to come back into the same form that he was in when he was in Montreal. Yep. Um, but to Smith, I mean, to Smith definitely helps. I mean, he had a, uh, an above 900 save percentage last year, 905. Uh, his goals against average wasn't too good. It was a three one seven, but I mean, better than the options that they have right now. Uh, to Smith and Jake Allen, you know, um duo it's it's not terrible yeah you know and and we then we talk about what san jose got in return san jose adds another first round pick from pittsburgh and and like we just talked about if pittsburgh's an underachieving team and all of a sudden they decide to go into tank mode you're talking about a a top 15 pick yeah you know if, if that's how pittsburgh ends the year um you add a player like Michael Granlin, and it's just kind of ironic that uh, Mike Hoffman's involved in Eric Carlson trade. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, true. Oh, shit. I didn't even think of that. That's crazy. Getting shipped across across the country. <laughs> um, and then Ruda. I, I like Ruda as a defenseman, man. He's like a, a stay-at-home brute brute force. Def- like, I like his game. Is he? I mean, he's probably a bottom pair defender, but, I mean, he's someone that you can slot into to pretty much – you know, any pair. Um, and then that first round pick, I mean, they, I, I like this trade for San Jose too. I just, I, I can't, 
you got to think that, that is this the best return that you know Santa or what? So what? Am, what the fuck am I trying to say? So Pittsburgh, I just feel like Pittsburgh gave up <laughs> way too much, dude. Like, yeah. I was I was thinking that it just doesn't make sense to me. I, I, it's such a dog shit trade and. I think everyone from reading like the reactions, everyone was kind of like, what the fuck? Like, why? Well, it, I'm looking at it right now. Pittsburgh ended up losing seven separate assets in this trade just for Carlson. Um, they In return, they got Pitlick, that um, Hamalia guy, a third round pick. And obviously Carlson, they gave up a first, a second, Granlin, Ruda, Petrie, DeSmith, and Lagar. I mean, that's a lot to give up just for 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 Eric Carlson, dude. I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you're getting you're essentially getting a similar defenseman to like what Chris Letang is. Right, right. Now you I, have two Chris Letangs. <laughs> I, I just don't understand what I can I can respect what Dubis is doing. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I just think I think in the long run we're gonna look at this trade and just be like, uh, this was too much. Yeah, I 100% agree. Especially if, they, especially if they end up being like a, a bottom, you know, if they end, if that pick ends up being a top 15 pick, I think that's a win for San Jose. Absolutely. It might already be a win for San Jose regardless. Yeah, I mean, right, off, right from the jump. I mean, that I think, like I said, I think Montreal is the winner, overall winner in this trade. Um, I love Petrie. I love his game. He was a really good defender when he was last in Montreal. Um, very underrated. Um, and then obviously San Jose made out pretty well as, um, you know, they made out pretty good. Yeah. I mean, especially when you consider where San Jose is right now in terms of what their organization is capable of, they need to stock up on these picks. They need to stock up on, you know, maybe some of these veteran guys who are going to take up some cap space, just help them reach the cap floor. You just dumped, what was Carlson making like 10 and a half million. Yeah. I think it was over 11 to be honest. It was okay, yeah. So even better for them. I mean, that that contract doesn't have any value on your team, anyways. He, he's if he stays in San Jose, it's kind of a waste of the tail end of his career. So why not get what you can for him? Ship him to a team that has a chance. I mean, it's not a high chance, but it's a chance, you know. Yeah, I you know I kind of want to bring up also um, San Jose. I really like what Mike Greer's doing. Um, yeah. He's kind of you know he's getting the players out of there that don't necessarily fit what he's trying to do. Um, and I think he, he got two really, really good players in the first round of this year's draft in uh, Will Smith and Quentin Musty. Um, I think Musty at, I, I believe he was 26 overall. It, it was a great value pick, and I really like what, what Greer's doing for that team. And I think they're heading in the right direction. I, I know obviously it's too early to say that they're going to be, you know, a good team, and but I think they're making all the right moves. And, um Mike Greer is kind of playing the long game, putting them in, you know, putting them in position to make some moves and, and, you know, get younger. Yeah. If you put yourself into, you know, his mindset, basically imagining yourself playing NHL 23 franchise mode as San Jose. I mean, you like the way you just, you like the trades you just made. You think you just set yourself up, you know, for uh, success in the future. So I, I see what San Jose is doing. I think they, they, you know, came out of this trade. Well, Montreal, fantastic. And then Penguins, it's just kind of, it seems like it's a last ditch effort to maintain some relevancy and give this, you know, 
core group of guys and Malkin, Latang, and Crosby a, a fighting chance. Yeah, and I, like I said, I can respect that. I mean, the Bruins yeah. did something very similar last year. Um, yeah. Didn't, didn't necessarily work out the way we wanted, but you can respect them going all in. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think we'll kind of transition to our picks for the Pacific Division. This was even more difficult than the Metro, I think. It was, and I think it was, I, I think it was more difficult because there's a lot of teams in this division that are just garbage. <laughs> yeah, it was towards the bottom that I was just complete junk. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I, I'll if you want. Do you want to start it up? Yeah, I can start it up. Yeah. So, let me see here. Let me flip my little notebook on the other side. So, the, I think the top three teams. Again, it could flip flop, but I the way I have it, I have Vegas number one. You're gonna have Jack Eichel fully healthy. You know, I know these guys are coming off a deep playoff run, so they're not getting as much rest as the other guys. But I mean, look at their lineup. All four forward groups, it's so deep. Their de- their defensive unit is deep, and if Aiden Hill can come in and, and you know uh, build off of the year he had last year, they're gonna be a scary team. So I have Vegas number one at number two, and this might surprise you. I actually have LA. I love the addition of Pierre-Luc Dubois, Kevin Fiala, obviously Kopitar, Doughty still being there. The only question mark I have for them is their goaltending. If their goaltending can can hold up and, and have a decent year, then I think that they can take that second spot over the third place team in my estimation, the Edmonton Oilers. Um Obviously, same problems that they've always had. Uh, their goaltending is kind of weak. Their defensive unit isn't the strongest. They're, and they really rely heavily on McDavid and Dreisaitl. Um, Obviously, Evander Kane helps with their offensive production. But I just think LA is a little bit deeper. And they're a more well-rounded team than Edmonton. But, I mean, when, when I'm saying second and third, I'm talking about maybe like a three, four, five-point difference. It, it's not like they're running away with it. Uh, fourth place, I have Seattle. I think they can build off of last year. I think they can get better. They could even fight for a top three spot as well. Um, fifth, I have Vancouver. Sixth, I have Calgary. Seventh, I have Anaheim. And eighth, I have San Jose. So, honestly, I think this is the most different our lists have been. Really? I was thinking that it might be. Yeah, and I think – I don't hate your list, dude, to be honest. Like, like you said earlier, like it's one of those divisions that like it could go any which direction. It's not like, you know, it's not necessarily loaded like the Atlantic or the Metro. I mean, this is you get towards the bottom. You're you're talking about some bottom of the barrel teams right now. Yeah. Like I, like before we even recorded, I said when we were trying to make this list, I was like, this is honestly a division after four. It's like who, just who's going to be worse yeah. is really what it is. Yeah. So honestly, my list definitely, definitely different. Um my number one team for the Pacific Division, and I hate to give this idiot Oilers analytics any yeah. uh, like shout out or anything, but I got Edmonton finishing first in the uh, in that division. Okay, I can um, see I it. Know, listen, anytime you have players like Connor McDavid, Drysaddle, Evander Kane, like I, I think they're going to be a dangerous team again. I, I know goaltending is always an issue. In my mind, they have the most overpaid player in the NHL in Darnell Nurse at mm. maybe nine point five million a year. Um, at some point, man, they they I hope they make some. You know, I 
they have a player that I think could really make a uh, make a run for a Norris Trophy, and that's Evan Bouchard. Mm, um, really, like- he really made the jump last year. Um, obviously, we're talking a ton of good defensemen in this league, but Evan Bouchard really took that next step. And uh, honestly, I-, I could see him making making a run for that trophy. Dude, I I think the X factor if 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 Zach Hyman can have a year similar to what he did last season, then I can totally see Edmonton winning this Pacific division. I mean, he had 83 points last year, dude. He was four goals away from 40. If he can do the same thing, then underrated. You didn't hear anything about Zach Hyman because you he's on a team with Connor McDavid and, and Dreisaitl. Right, I mean, right. 83 points for, for a guy like Zach Hyman is unbelievable. And, yeah. and even Evander Kane, man, had a, had a solid year. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah. So, dude, so, like, if, if – sorry, but, like, if those two guys can, you know, help with that depth scoring, then they – honestly, they could run away with the division. It, but, you know, the thing is, it's every year it's like this. I think – Right. <laughs> obviously, this is our first year doing this podcast, but I feel like as a hockey fan, it's like every year you talk about – well, this is the Oilers uh, Oilers year. Very similar to, like, Toronto with how fucking loaded they are as a team. Like, how good they look on paper. Like, you can't not say that they're going to be a bad team. Like, anytime right. you have players like Connor McDavid, Dreisaitl, Austin Matthews, Mitch Mar- like, you're going to instantly be a, a competitive team. Um, yeah. So, number two, I got the defending Stanley Cup champion, Vegas Golden Knights. Um, you mentioned they're going to be starting off the year with a ha- uh, healthy Jack Eichel. Um, they bring back who, who in my mind was probably the best available free agent, um, Ivan Barbashev. Yeah, um, he was yep. instrumental to that team. I mean, I'm not sure they won that cup without him. He was so important to that team, and he's such an underrated player. Um, they got him at a steal of a contract in my eyes. Um, you know, obviously, Petrangelo, um, just a solid, solid team. They're going to be right up there in that division. Um, number three, I got the LA Kings. Obviously, you brought up Pierre-Luc Dubois. Um, they bring back Cole Pitar. This is another team that could definitely make a run um, if they get hot at the right time, barring any major injuries or poor goaltending play. Yeah. Um, fourth best, I got Seattle again. Um, I think this is a team that kind of surprised a lot of people last year. Um Obviously, Matty Beneers had an unreal year. I think he's going to be, you know, I think he's going to, again, take that next step and prove to be a good leader for that team. Um, next, I got Vancouver. Um, Vancouver's Vancouver, man. I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. They got still got Thatcher Demko, um, still got Pedersen, uh, Quinn Hughes. We'll see how, how they do. Um, Anaheim and then Calgary. Uh, wow, I think- really? Do I honestly? I think when I look at this roster for the Ducks, I I think we talked about it last week too. You look at players like Zegras, Troy Terry, now Leo Carlson, Jamie Drysdale, still have John Gibson in net. I don't think they're gonna surpass like teams like the Canucks or the Kraken, but I don't see them finish. I, it just would be such a disappointment and. It would be a huge year that these guys underachieve if they finished bottom of this division. Yeah, I mean, you're you're talking about players like Trevor Zegras, who they're hoping, and Mason McTavish as well. I forgot about him. Um, that needed to take that next step, dude. Like, 
And and I mean they they as of now they still have Gibson. They still have John right. Gibson too. Right. Anytime you, I mean, John Gibson is still a top ten goalie in this league. Like yeah. anytime you, you, he can steal you games. Um, and you look at this like this team we we mentioned last week. They brought in players like Alex Kalorn, Radko Gudis. Like they're trying to change the culture in that locker room. Like they're trying to they're trying to make a change and they're trying to like bring in leaders that can that have that experience to bring them you know to the next level. And I love. Dude, I'm a big Gudis guy. Dude, you're making you're you're making me want to put Anaheim above Calgary in mind. <laughs> I mean, we're not going to restart the episode, but no, 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 no. But it's a, it's in my mind. Yeah. It, it like it makes you wonder. Like you think about Cal- a team like Calgary, who comes to mind? Huberto. That's it. Kadri. Yeah. I, yeah. Markstrom was Markstrom was hot ass last year. I yeah. mean. They're, yeah, they could take a tumble. They could take a real tumble this year. I mean, for them to – I could definitely see them being a team that kind of wants to go in a new direction and kind of go in rebuild mode. Like, Anaheim's already entered that era. Like, they've had high draft picks the past however many friggin' years it's been, dude. You brought in players like McTavish, Zegras, Drysdale, now Leo Carlson. Like, you're, you're, you've made plenty of, like, high draft picks to, to put this team in – you know, in position to, to compete. And it's like, at what point are these guys going to take the next step? I know it's still early, but I still think they're a better team than Calgary. And we mentioned John Gibson. He can steal you games. I mean, dude, so I'm on daily face off right now and I'm looking at their uh, potential line combinations. First line, Henrik Zegers, Terry, good first line, second line, Kalorn McTavish, Strom, good second line, third line, What's up, old friend? Frank Vetrano, Isaac yeah. Lundestrom, and Jacob Silverberg. Fourth line, Max Jones, um, Gruel, and Leeson. And then their defensive, their top four isn't bad. Fowler, Drysdale, Lacombe, Gudis, Haig, and Hellison. And then obviously, like we just said, uh, Gibson and uh, Dostal and Net. It's, it's not a terrible lineup. They they actually might be a little bit underrated coming into the year if I'm if I'm being honest at least in my mind. Yeah no I mean that's exactly what I'm thinking too dude like you look at this roster and it's like okay this isn't a terrible roster like when you look at a team that just had the number two overall pick like you definitely are kind of like I mean obviously you look at a team like Chicago you're like okay they're ass like definitely deserve the first overall pick but you look at a team like Anaheim and it's like I don't understand how. Obviously, they've made a lot of acquisitions and they just drafted uh, Leo Carlson, but I, I just can't see how they are worse than a team like Calgary. And you yeah. brought up that Jackson Lacombe. I had a chance to watch him uh, for Minnesota last year. And he, man, he's a really, really good defenseman. Um, obviously, he signed with, um, you know, he signed with Anaheim after, you know, after the college year. He was a really good defenseman. I think he's he's someone that can step into that lineup and help them a lot. Yeah, and and just to kind of compare, I just pulled up Calgary's potential lines off a of daily faceoff, and I will say I think Calgary's back end is better. Obviously, Hannafin, Anderson, Wegar, Tanev, Shillington, and Zadorov. Zadorov is a fucking monster, dude. Yeah, but a- but like their forward group. They got Huberto, Lindholm, Sharon Govich, Dubé, Kadri, Coronado, Mangiapane, Backland, Coleman, Peltier, Ruzika, and then Dewar. 
So I think those forward groups could go toe to toe. Oh, it's that, that's going to be an those two teams are going to be really well, interesting to keep tabs on. Let me ask you this: so what's the, what's the difference between those two those two teams? I mean, Gibson. the goal. Yeah, I was going to say the goaltending. Yeah, if Markstrom plays the way that he played last year, and I only I I know this because he was on my fantasy team for the first like two or three months. I, I was like, he's going to get better. He's yeah. going to get better. No, he just kept losing me weeks. So if he if he has a year like he did last season, I mean they're gonna have to turn to Vladar and and is Vladar a, a number one starting goalie in the league? I don't know. Did they resign Vladar? Uh yes, they did. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this division shakes up. I mean, this was definitely between you and I. It was. The most different I've seen, you know, in our yeah. comparisons, it's it's definitely the most different I've. It was difficult, like even the top of the division, like you're talking three teams, potentially four that could all finish in first place. Yeah, like I, it just it's going to be an interesting, uh, interesting year. I think this is. Would you say this is probably the worst division in in the NHL, or? I would say the Central probably is the worst. Yeah, I agree with uh... you. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Probably the central. central. It has to be. I mean, this the the top half of this division is actually pretty good, right? Edmonton, Vegas, obviously Stanley Cup winners. L.A. is you know L.A. is going to be good, and Seattle. I don't. Yeah, I think it's got to be the central. Yeah, I mean the central. They got two teams that are, you know, you could that could qualify as like some of the league's best Colorado and maybe Dallas Dallas at the back end of the league's best. But then, I mean, you got Minnesota, Winnipeg, Nashville, St. Louis, Arizona, and Chicago. I mean, yeah. Yeah. yeah, So uh, other news, um, the trailer for NHL is coming out, dude. Yes. So pumped. And uh, as soon as I saw that, man, I was, instantly thought about you boys i'm like there's got to be fucking cross play it has to be dude as soon as i saw yeah do you do you think they add it i think so because on the little graphic that they put out on their uh twitter page it had two tickets and it said admits to and one ticket had playstation controllers one ticket had xbox controllers um there's speculation i i think cross play is coming but there's also speculation that there could be two cover athletes because of that. Um, much like you saw in NHL 23 with Zegris and Sarah nurse. And I, I don't know. I don't have, I don't have anybody in my mind who, who I'm really thinking is like a, like a, a like a lockdown answer for the cover athlete. I don't know about you. Do you have any guesses? Bring up if it could be two players. I mean, right off the bat, I mean, not being biased or anything like, Swaim and Allmark, like that'd be cool. <laughs> I mean, it'd be cool, and it like I don't know. You you could argue maybe the Kachuk brothers, like that would be awesome. I that really, would or the Hughes, the Hughes brothers, the brothers too. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if you're talking two cover athletes, th- those are really the only that I can think of. Um, I, I was actually looking at. Let me pull it up now. Um, yeah, while you while you pull it up. You could see them go in that similar direction where you know they pick a um 
professional woman hockey player, just like they did with Nurse, maybe go with Hillary Knight. Or I know there's that. I think she's from Sweden, and she's like a phenom. She's so good. And I wish I had the name off the top of my head. I'm gonna try to find it. But yeah, she so, she's nasty. Yeah. So I'm I'm bringing up a graphic from uh, Mike Bartner. He's he runs M Bon Hockey. Um, awesome, awesome page. If you guys, you know, he he does a ton of um like rankings in his mind. Um, the last couple he's done like prediction for the Vezina this year. Um, and, the, and so he did one with NHL 24, um, like duo cover picks. And I found this really interesting The what he, you know, what he went with. So at number one, he had the, the Chuck brothers. Uh, number two, he had Eichel and Mark stone. Ooh, interesting. I thought that that would really be cool. Um, Nate McKinnon and Kale McCarr. Um, Igor Shosturkin and Ilya Sorokin. Ooh, that would be cool. I when, was the last was the last time there was a goalie on the cover? Was that Brodeur in 14? I, I think it was. Oh, dude. Like thinking back. I think it was. So it's it would be it this would be 10 years without a goalie on the cover. So that's yeah. something to consider too. I could see it. Number five, he had McDavid Dreisaitl, which mm. again, that, I mean, they're the best duo in hockey. Yeah. Uh, the Hughes brothers, Quinn and Jack. With that, dude, dude like, would you just add Luke? Like, I, I don't know. At that point, <laughs> it's, it's like, maybe yeah, you got you to add him somehow if you're going to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back of the game or something. It's like the it's like the Happy Gilmore and Happy Gilmore when they uh they go up to above the house and they're all waving from the sky. Like he's just above. <laughs> I'm not happy. Yeah. yeah. Dude. Uh, but So like, so the, the chick, the, sorry, the, the girl that I was talking about, the girl that I was talking about, um, she is uh, Slovakian. Sorry, not Swedish. She's Slovakian. Her name is Nela Lupasanova. She's 14 years old. She had, she played eight games. She had 28 goals, 21 assists in eight games. She had 49 points. And she's like, they're not just like tapping goals. Like she's flying around, you know, all the other women she's playing against. And she's like, I'm, I'm telling you, if you have a chance, look her up, look up some of her highlights on YouTube. She is one of the greatest, like, I, I I'll say prospects. She's one of the best prospects in hockey right now. She's nasty. Yeah, she sounds like uh, Benoit Puglia, uh <laughs> HL numbers too. Yes, yeah, literally. She's put up video game numbers yeah. right now. That's. I mean, I could see. It. I, I was a big fan. Obviously, you have those idiots that like, they were super rattled when like Sarah Nurse got on the cover. But honestly, like, yeah, why, why not try to build the game and like spread the game for everyone, dude? You talk about hockey's for everyone, like. What, yeah. What's the big deal? Like, I, I love that, that they're including everyone. And I, I love the cover, Um, honestly, the Zegris. It was different. It was I – th- I thought it was really creative. So I could I could definitely see them doing something similar. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. And I mean, I mean it's and it's like the uh, – like, at least the NHL is trying, right? You you got to integrate these, yeah. these players into, you know um, – what's the word I'm looking for? Into the market, I guess, right? Because guess what? Now everybody who plays NHL knows who Sarah Nurse is. They yeah. know who Hillary Knight is. 
and, and they have their hockey, their, their cards and hockey ultimate team too. And people who get mad about stuff like that, it's like, can you, it's a, first of all, it's a video game. Second of all, hockey is for everyone. And third of all, why would you not want to see these people who are excelling in their sport? Yeah. Succeed? Like, why wouldn't you want to see that? outside touch some fucking grass and relax like it's, literally it's okay like, like, if, like if you're getting offended yeah. at stuff like that you're just showing your true colors and it's like all right so you're like that's the way that you think like really like you're getting mad that a woman is in a video game and she deserves to be so wow. those people can just those people can just you know you go it. kick rocks yeah. <laughs> awesome, man. yeah i mean i'm so i'm so pumped about it um it's like one of those things man like I, I even at 28 years old, dude, I still get so excited. Like, dude, uh, I do too. especially now with with how we have the EASHL squads and the streams and everything, especially with crossplay coming. If it if it's confirmed to be here, oh my god, it is like us with the only Bruins boys. Like, it's just dude, a big gong show. It's gonna be a game changer. Yeah, it's going to be a game changer. Well, that kind of concludes uh, today's episode. Um, we're gonna be turning it over to. Uh, Logan Stankoven. Yes. Um, unbelievable kid, man. I, and obviously, I know you didn't have the chance to, you know, talk to him. Um, duty calls. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm, I'm I'm, bummed I missed this interview. Because, um, you know, it, it, these guys only have a certain time frame where they can really meet up with us. And, and unfortunately, it clashed with uh, my real job. So, my, so I couldn't get there in time. Um, but... I mean, I can't wait to listen to it, dude. I he's if you don't know Stankoven, uh, look him up on Hockey DB. Look him up on Elite Prospects. Go look at some of his highlights. He's gonna be a stud. So I'm pumped that you got to, you know, have the chance to sit down and talk to him. And I'm really happy you got to come out of our program. So I can't wait to listen, dude. Yeah, you know, you mentioned how how unbelievably talented he is. Yeah, when you go on and look up, you know, his statistics, obviously put up unbelievable numbers, but what you're not going to see on there is how great of a human being he is, um, how incredibly humble he is. Um, every question that I asked, he, he implemented the team. He implemented others. Like it just how humble this kid was. It just it was one of my favorite conversations that we've had. They're all my favorite. Um, but this kid, it just goes to show he, how every team he's almost every team that he's played for in his you know in these recent years he's won a letter. And it, and it really goes to show, like, how, how great of a leader he is um, and just how humble he was, man. Like, he, he just made every question that I asked, like I said, he, he was able to kind of turn it into, like, involving his teammates and, and giving them praise. And just, you know, I was so grateful to be able to have him on. Um, and I think, like you, like you said, he's going to have a – he's going to be a hell of a player at the next level. And um, so I hope you guys enjoy um here is logan stankoven thanks guys what is going on everyone welcome back to episode seven of drop the mitts hockey podcast we have a very special guest today uh logan stankoven of the kamloops blazers and the 47th overall pick in the in the 2021 nhl draft to the dallas stars logan how you doing buddy how's your summer going doing good thanks uh yeah summer's been busy uh yeah thanks for having me on yeah. Um, so how, how often you've been skating, you've been in the gym, what, what's your summer been looking like so far? Yeah, it's been uh crazy busy, just, uh, you know, first, first year of pro coming up. So 
uh, just being in the gym lots, uh, on the ice, you know, three, four times a week. So, um, yeah, it's been a grind, but, uh, if you want to get better, yeah, you got to put the work in and, um, it's definitely going to be an adjustment coming up this season. So trying to get, uh, as prepared as possible for that. Yeah, for sure, man. So I want to, I want to take you, um, playing in front of your hometown, obviously Kamloops and playing for the Blazers. Um, what, what was that experience like being able to play in front of family and just where you're from? What, what was that experience like? Yeah, it was, it was really good. Um, definitely there's, there's pros and cons playing your hometown, a little bit added pressure, but, um, for me, it was just uh, nice to live at home, see my family every day. Uh, obviously home cooked meals, which was pretty cool. So, um, yeah. And then your friends and family come in each game. So I just kind of embraced that and I enjoyed the ride for as long as possible. It was a quick four or five years here, uh, especially with COVID. We didn't have um, a couple playoff runs that were, you know, maybe we had uh, had a chance to to win or, or go along, but uh, that was cut short. So, um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun here in this organization. And, uh, yeah, now it's uh, time to move on to uh, new things. Yeah. What do you think that adjustment's going to be like? You saw a little bit of that, like, during development camp being away. Um, how, how have you, like, how are you going to approach that adjustment kind of being away from home, being in obviously the U S and in Dallas and, um, you know, what are you going to do to adjust to that? And how do you think that's going to go? Um, I think it's going to be a learning curve for sure. Um, I have lived away from home before when I was 14, I moved away to play, um, at an, at an academy, uh, in my Bantam draft year. So before I got drafted, the Blazers, but, uh, yeah. Um, it was different because I was living with a billet family, but now I'll be on my own. So, um, yeah, time to grow up a little bit and, um, yeah, cook your own meals and, uh, take care of, uh, your place or wherever I'm going to be, be living, I guess. So, um, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be different, but, uh, it's all part of, of growing up and becoming an adult. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, so I want to take you back to your, the U18 and the U20, um, world juniors. Um, obviously you scored the winning goal. Um, what, what was that experience like? And what is winning the gold for Canada? Like, what is that like for um, a kid that grew up in Canada where, like, for us, I mean, it's obviously a big tournament for, you know, kids in the U.S., but obviously for kids in Canada, it's a huge tournament for you guys. Um, what was it like being able to experience that and kind of play with your buddies and uh, winning gold? Uh, yeah, I was really fortunate to be part of, uh, I guess, yeah, two or three gold medal teams now at U18 and then both world junior tournaments. So, um, yeah, not many guys get the opportunity to, to play, but, uh, to win, you know, three gold medals, uh, yeah, it's just the, the best feeling and that's hockey Canada standards. So, um, you know, best kids from across the country, they expect you to, to win the gold medal. And if you don't, then, um, you know, that's just uh, not getting the job done. So I think that's just the standard that they've kind of uh, passed on along the year, uh, along the way and uh, throughout the year. So it was nice to, to win gold on home soil uh, for a few years. See down in, in I think it was is uh, Dallas, actually, U18s. So that was a really cool experience as well. Yeah. So you talk about that standard and, and those high expectations. How do you know, being a kid, because you really are a kid, man, and, and these kids that are playing, how do you manage those expectations? Um, because obviously, like you said, they're they're so high and it's the standard for Canada. How do you manage those expectations and, um, you know, kind of come back down to earth a little bit and just make things more simple? Like, how do you manage those? 
Um, I think realizing that uh, every single player on the team are, are top players with their club teams, right? So um, obviously some guys aren't going to get as much ice time as they would like, but it's about accepting your role and uh, listening to the coaches and whatever role you're given, you do that to the best of your abilities. And um, if you do that, then that's all you can ask. And, and hopefully at the end of the day, yeah, you're standing on the blue line with gold medals around your neck. So that's basically what they kind of preach to us. Um, yeah, I mean, that's what it's been through every Hockey Canada experience that I've had so far. Yeah, so, and you've also pretty much worn a letter um, pretty much, like, since 2020, I'd say, right? And um, so, like, 2020, you wore the A for Kamloops, um, and then, obviously, the U18 Canada team, you wore the A, and then for the past two years, you've worn the C. Um, what, what is, how much of an honor is it to, to wear a letter for your team? And, um, you know, what qualities do you take pride in um, as a leader? And, and like, what do you try to instill in your teammates? Um, yeah, I think it's a huge honor whenever you can get a letter on your chest. Um, I think that doesn't really change the way I act or how I approach the game. Um, I think, yeah, you definitely need to be... Uh, you know, a bit more of a leader. Uh, you don't have to be too full, uh, vocal in the in the room, but um, somebody that just leads by example is always doing the right thing uh, on the ice, but off the ice too. Um, you know, there's lots of kids, uh, younger kids and bands that come to the game and um, eyes are always on you. So you got to make sure you're doing the right thing and um, taking time for uh, yeah, the kids or fans. Um, yeah, it's just something that I've tried to... Um, kind of have uh throughout my career so far that's something that my parents have kind of instilled in me from a young age that's awesome man um so kind of going back to like your days whl um what, what's your favorite barn besides cam loops that you've played in and um yeah what so what's your favorite rink that you've played in best environment um craziest environment like what's your favorite place that you've played in besides cam loops um well, probably my favorite place, like in terms of where I've played the best, I'd probably say uh, Tri-Cities. Yep. I've had some good games there. Um, trying to think where else. Craziest environment, I'd probably say Seattle. Their fans are pretty wild. Um, they have a good uh, intro, uh, like before the game starts, and they have these clappers that they hand up to the fans, and it gets pretty loud in there. Um, trying to think what else. Um I always liked the Kamloops Kelowna rivalries. I always, uh, I always enjoyed those, um, especially if, if you're winning. If you're losing, it's not fun. But uh, the fans always come out, uh, whether uh, it's in Kamloops or in Kelowna. You know, the fans come out, and uh, it's a big rivalry. So I'd say those are the three places that uh, are, are fun to play. What What do you think that you're going to miss most about playing in Kamloops? Um, you know, aside obviously, you said you're from. You know, you are from there. Family's there. What other things are you going to miss most about playing uh, playing in Kamloops? Um, definitely my teammates. Uh, some of those guys I played with for four four straight years. So I got close with a few of those guys. And, um, yeah, some of my best buddies. So miss those guys. Um, definitely the fans. The fans, uh, um, you know, as, as I was a 16-year-old and went down to my 17, 18, as soon as I got older um, – you know, the fans started piling into their rank and not that they didn't before, but um, I think there was anticipation, especially leading up to the, the Memorial Cup where uh, the fans would come out and uh, there'd be some loud games and 
the seats would be packed. So that's always fun to play in front of. Um, and uh, yeah, even this past year or past couple of years with the playoff uh, playoff runs that we had, um, yeah, full buildings. So those are probably the main things that I'll miss. Yeah. So kind of shifting towards um, your draft year and your draft experience. Um, so you, your pre-draft like comparison, you kind of mentioned you you have a uh, similar game to Brendan Gallagher, um, that never back down attitude. Um, are there any players now that you try to like emulate your game after and were there any players that you really looked up to growing up um, that you tried to like mock your game after? Um, I used to love like watching Crosby, obviously. Um, I think just uh, how he makes everyone around him better. Um, you know, always making the right play and he just sees the ice so well. Like uh, I just kind of admire his hockey IQ. I'd probably say now, um, like for smaller guys, I like watching like Braden Point or Cole Caulfield. Those, those two guys, you know, on the smaller side, but uh, can put the puck in the net. Yeah, for sure, man. So obviously, you had kind of like a uh, unique draft experience with COVID and everything. Um, kind of take the listeners through like your draft experience, what the combine looks like, um, and you know, being able to share that experience with your family, being home, and and what it was like getting that call from Dallas. Yeah, so our year, we actually didn't have a, a draft combine. Uh, it was still COVID going on at the time, and our draft was uh, virtual as well. So uh, we didn't get to experience that, which was too bad. But um, we're um, being at at home with, with friends and family. Uh, obviously, the first day or the first night, I my name wasn't called. So that was disappointing. Um you know, from a young age, I guess my goal is to be drafted in the first round. And you always, you always strive for more, right? And when you don't get drafted in the first round, it's definitely disappointing and, and upsetting, but um, I think it just makes you hungrier. So um, the next day, my, my name was called in the second round and um, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool to, to hear my name. Yeah. You know, you mentioned that, you, you know, you didn't hear your name in the first round, but obviously I think now looking at things, there are definitely teams that I, I, would assume wish they took you in the first round. How how do you use that as like fuel? Um, obviously not hearing your name. Like, is that something that really motivates you? Um, and is that something that you're going to kind of use as fuel um, throughout your career? Because obviously there's some great players that have gotten their names called later and have gone on to have unbelievable careers. So like I said, how are, how are you going to use that? Do, do you consider that like a, um, a motivating factor for you? Yeah, I think uh, it's it's hard to say right now, obviously, because I haven't played a game. But yep. um, yeah, that's that's my goal is to uh, make it there and and hopefully uh, someday look back and and uh, kind of prove those teams uh, wrong. Um, you know that that they didn't take me, and um, at the same time, you can't you can't really hold a grudge against them. There's so many other great players, but definitely like chip on my shoulder and makes me want to work harder and and prove those other guys wrong that. Um, hey, I should have, I should have went in the first round or, um, you know, cause you know, you always have got to have that self-belief in yourself. For sure. And, and so throughout that process, were there any other teams that you kind of really felt good about that you met with? Um, we had Zach Benson on a few weeks ago and we, we asked him about any unique like draft questions that he got to ask. Cause obviously you hear these like crazy questions that GMs ask. Did you have any crazy, like weird questions asked or like experiences? Were there any other teams that you really felt good about? Um, 
I'm, I think I had a couple, like, uh, just, like, not weird experiences, but just odd questions. I can't remember what teams. Um, every year there's there's always uh, a few odd questions from teams. But um, the teams that I thought uh, I had the best interviews with or, you know, kept coming back were Boston, uh, L.A., and Seattle. Those are the three teams really interested so yeah we would have liked you here in boston for sure man like we're kind of yeah. looking at ourselves now with some of these draft picks and it's it's rough but um yeah so this past season you had an incredible year dude you you know 34 goals 63 assists in 40 48 games which is unreal and even the year before that you had even better numbers um what areas in your game do you pride yourself on and what areas are you looking to like most improve um, at the next level once you get to, to Texas? Um, I think like my strengths are uh, like my acceleration, my first few steps. Um, I think my agility, like down low in the corners, um, just like cutbacks or uh, taking pucks to the net. And then, uh, yeah, my hockey IQ, I think I see the ice pretty well and, can find the open guys, but at the same time, uh, you know, if I have a shot, I'll take it. So I think those are the two main things. Um, and then I think like things that I've tried to work on, um, over the past few years would be, uh, yeah, like my playmaking. Um, I think before I was more of a shooter, but if you can have, uh, both in, uh, I guess your repertoire, then that's huge. So that's something that I've been, uh, trying to work on. And then I think just my strength for me being a smaller guy, um, going up against men now, it's going to be tough in the corners or in front of the net. So you got to be able to withstand uh, the the cross checks or uh, the battles you have in the corner. Yeah. So obviously, a few weeks back, you attended uh, Dallas Stars development camp. Um, what was your experience like um, hanging out with those guys, getting on the ice with those guys, and what was your biggest takeaway from uh, from that experience? Um. Yeah, it was fun. It was just all the prospects. It wasn't anything too, too crazy. Um, you know, it's nice to meet the newly drafted guys or uh, the free agent signings. Um, kind of get to know everybody and obviously reconnect with the some of the coaches and the trainers. And, um, you know, you haven't seen them since, I guess, last main camp. So um, it's, it's good to build those connections, right? Because you never know how long you're going to be with this organization. And got to got to be able to know these guys personally cuz they're the ones taking care of you and helping you out along the way. Um are there any guys like on the NHL team that have reached out to you to just kind of give you any pointers, um any advice on the transition from junior to pro? Um are there any, you know, any of the older guys reach out to you? Um no, no, I haven't had any uh older guys reach out, but uh I train here in Kamloops with uh, a couple AHL guys and uh, Joe Hicketts who played World Juniors and uh, he played with Iowa the past few years and um, I think he, he got a couple games in with the, the Red Wings a few years back and now he's playing and um, or he just signed with LA so that's the guy that's been around uh, you know the AHL and has a stint in the NHL so he knows what uh, what it kind of takes and um, it's always nice to hear from him. Uh, he has a lot of pointers for me going to my first year of pro. Yeah, so I, I also want to bring up, uh, obviously you put up unbelievable numbers, you know, these past couple of years. You've won multiple awards. Um, one thing I wanted to kind of touch on was how you won the WHL Humanitarian of the Year Award um, and the Dana Bronze Award. Um, 
you know, you committed countless hours as a Hockey Gives Blood player ambassador. What does your work in the community mean to you? Um, and what does it mean to give back to your community? Yeah, it's huge. Um, I think you're more than just a hockey player. And uh, for me, yeah, playing junior in my hometown, um, like I said before, the spotlight's on you. And there's there's a lot more pressure. But um, I think you can kind of take that pressure and, and turn it into good things. And um, for me growing up, I had lots of people uh, – mentor me and, and help me out and give back. So now it's my turn to kind of reciprocate that and um, trying to do my part to, to help out and uh, do things in the community. Like uh, this year uh, for one of the games, I was, I was actually injured. I was supposed to play in the game, but it was my, my charity night. And we ended up raising with hockey gives blood um, in conjunction with them. We ended up raising like 40 grand or something um, towards hockey gives blood. And, um so that was that was a great night uh, i think that was my bobblehead night as well so um it was nice just to see that i could raise that much for a great cause and um for people in need of, of blood transfusions or um whatever it may be and then yeah the dana bronze award was pretty cool so um yeah it's always just good to give back and that's something that yeah my parents always have preached to me as well it, now is that an organization that you're going to continue to work with even um as you transition to the next level um, I'm not too sure, um, about that just because I don't know if, uh, like I was, a a player ambassador, so they, they mostly do it in junior. Um, I'll still, uh, give blood and, and do my part, but, um, I'm not too sure if hockey gives blood has made it way to, made its way to the NHL just yet or, or to the AHL. So I think they've just kind of stuck to junior. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was glad I could do my part with them for, uh, four or five years. Yeah, I was I was able to go online and see, you know, there's a link and everything. So once I post this, I'll I'll post the link with it. So if anyone wants to donate or um, kind of give back, I'll include that link. So um, obviously, incredible work that you've done on and off the ice. Um, I can't thank you enough for ha you know for coming on and taking the time out of your busy schedule. I know how I know how crazy it must be. Obviously, you know you're getting ready for the season, so I can't thank you enough. Um, I know this is going to be an awesome, awesome interview um, to post out there. So, um, I, you know, again, I can't thank you enough, and I wish you the best of luck this season, buddy. Yeah, thanks a lot, Chris. Appreciate it. All right, see you, buddy. Thank you. Yeah, take care. Talk to you later. Bye. See you, buddy.